You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is your host, Stephen Roach. This is season three, episode 11. Michael Wilson is a Los Angeles choreographer whose dance has allowed him to work with well-known acts such as Prince, Britney Spears, Pharrell Williams, and most recently, Justin Bieber. Alongside of his work in the entertainment industry, Michael is a gifted singer, an actor, motivational speaker, and author. He has written a book titled The Mighty Little Book, which is a collection of insights about life, self-development, overcoming adversity, and positivity. I had the opportunity to meet Michael backstage in Nashville, Tennessee, and quickly became fascinated not only with the level of excellence which marks his work, but also by the humility and transparency that characterizes his approach to art and life. Michael has a depth of faith and devotion to God and a contagious belief in himself that inspires others to keep going and not to give up. In just a few weeks from the time of this recording, Michael will be joining us at the Breath and the Clay Creative Arts Gathering in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Tickets for this event are available at thebreathandtheclay.com. This is my conversation with choreographer Michael Wilson. Michael, thank you for joining us on Makers and Mystics. It's an honor to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I've been looking up your work since we met recently, and I really appreciate you as an artist and also the heart behind everything that you do. It's amazing. Thank you so much. It's always an interesting thing, embracing who you are, challenging who you are, and then sharing it as well. So it's cool to hear stuff like that. I'm curious to know, have you been, I know you're a choreographer, you're also a musician and a public speaker. Have you always been inclined toward the creative arts most of your life? I have been as far as my awareness of what was good, what what wasn't great, and a liking for the creative arts and performing arts, but it wasn't essentially something that I wanted to do. I think I read on your bio that at one point you were considering becoming a senator or that you had some interest in politics. Is that right? Yeah, I went to college and studied uh, communications, emphasis in public relations, and minored in political science. Mm -hmm. I've always been someone who stands for justice or in general just fights for people mm -hmm. of all sorts, and it made sense to me to be a politician. I appreciated just what I saw in government, even the bad, mm -hmm. because, you know, it's just a lot they deal with, and I always had a grace for that. And I always felt a need to affect the world politically. So it was my number one dream. I didn't really know how it would unfold. So it wasn't that calculated. Right. But 
I had enough heart to pursue it education wise and I had an idea of where I could take it and where I could go with it. Yeah, I think the political world could stand a few more artists and um, <laughs> it seems that also the art world really shapes politics, whether it's directly or indirectly. Yeah, and you know, I've learned that no dream is ever wasted. They just surface oftentimes differently than you expect it. And I've been able to have political impact and to have world impact from my platform. So none of my education or experiences or even desires have been wasted. I just had to readjust my focus to understand what that should look like versus what I wanted it to look like. Mm. I think that's often the case that the dreams we pursue, when they come, they look much different than the way we imagined them. Right. And so in your experience, rather than going into politics, your path led you to travel the world with some very well-known artists as a choreographer. And I'm curious how that experience has shaped you both as an individual as well as an artist. I think the best experiences in life don't shape you as much as they test you. Mm-hmm. And from that test, you make adjustments. Mm-hmm. And for me in particular, I knew why I pursued the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. I knew I was called to be a light in darkness. And I knew I was called to also break the barrier of Christians who just want to live in the light and not get dirty and show people who live in the world, quotation marks, that the church is not that bad. It's it's not perfect in that it's, um, it is cool. It's not just a bunch of judgmental people or people fearful of the world. So with that understanding, I was allowed to enter into the entertainment industry, have a sense of identity already, which is somewhat rare because every audition, every job is telling you who you should be, how you should look what they expect from you. And it's often, unless you're the star, and even then, it's often just not about you. So it's just like you're serving someone else's dream in some capacity. And the humility that takes and the willingness to stay committed to your person, yet capable of understanding what's required or, or needed of you is very special. And it will challenge your morals. It will challenge your self-esteem it will challenge your anger your sensitivity like it, it just it's very intense and the beautiful part for me is I've always been able to just identify people as people first so I I've never been caught up in the hype or the stardom of the people I work for or with mm-hmm. I was always able to just see the soul I could connect to yeah and from the testing of me having to be a better person and me having to be a light no matter what and me just having to work on myself and be transparent that I'm not perfect while at the same time holding a high standard that allowed me to connect genuinely and create authentic relationships and artists at that level they love to just be able to connect with someone right and it not be about who they are an Instagram photo or what Uh, someone can get from them. Right. Most artists I work with, I keep relationships with in some capacity. When I was working with Prince, we weren't best friends. He wasn't texting me. But uh, his management, if he was in LA, would hit me and a few others up that he felt comfortable with and say, yo, Prince wants to know if you guys can 
come to this uh, lunch or come to this dinner or just come to this live music event. Yeah. And I, I honestly know that from all the different artists I've worked with in the beautiful dance career I've had, that's been the main thing that I've been able to just be authentic, be a normal person and connect person to person. So I'm not distracted by two things where they have flaws and still developing mm -hmm. as well as I'm not distracted by the fortune and the fame because uh, both of those things aren't lasting. The only thing that's lasting is the true heart and soul of a person in the first place. I think particularly in the realm of the arts and in the realm of the entertainment industry, there is such a temptation to gain your identity from what you've accomplished or to gain your identity from the people that you know or gain your identity from these externals. And so often the spiritual component to the person just goes neglected or, you know, the deeper parts of what makes us human beings, it gets overlooked. Yeah, it's just you have to remember who you are, not start to live for who you want to be. God created us to one, live forever and two, to have legacy. So once you incorporate your full identity that I'm supposed to live forever and legacy should follow me all the days of my life. From there, you have to say, I can't just live for my life in my lifetime alone. Pavement skies, ocean flushed eyes must be dreaming. Then I see your face and I know why I was made. When you're in the entertainment industry and you re remember who you are, mm. it's, a, it's a lot harder to live for just who you want to be because it's so easy to get caught up in yourself. And the moment you make it about yourself is the same moment you limit everything you have to offer to only this lifetime. You know, Jesus came in within just a few years of the years he was here, which still isn't a lot wasn't even here half a century and then three years of that from the time his ministry started you know what i'm saying he's managed to still be here today because he had a life outside of self and when you make your life about the bigger picture it's hard to avoid being a great person it's hard to avoid the humility it takes the sacrifice it takes the love it takes, the honesty and transparency it takes to be a great person because it is all of those things, the things that are hard, the things that are difficult, the things we would like to not share or face. It is those very things that cause us to relate and connect to people. And it's those same things that begin to generate legacy throughout time. So even when you're gone, your life will speak. Identity always will pave the way to a life beyond your days. And that's the blessing of knowing who you are. It's because now you don't need those external things to feel validated or successful. It's always an inward thing that's being renewed day by day, though the outward may perish. Money may go up and down, 
you may be hot one day in the industry and not hot the next your looks will change or they may even get better but it doesn't matter things are always changing but it's the everlasting things that will keep us rooted and keep us forever growing so that even when those leaves and flowers begin to fall off we're so rooted in our true self and love and the strength of that conqueror that we can face anything and we can find confidence in who we are through anything I'm curious, what are some of the things that inspire you? Like if you're creating a choreography piece, where do you find your inspiration? Hmm. My first inspiration comes from trust. Because to create, you create from nothing. And oftentimes we're trying to create from the idea of something that already exists. Mm -hmm. So I try to first free myself to just a bunch of nothingness Mm -hmm. and trust what comes out. So when I write or speak, I just kind of, it's almost like free writing and free speaking. There's ideas that I feel in my heart, but I I trust that the words will sort of come together eventually. Mm -hmm. And the same way with music, I if my musicians are playing, I'll just sing. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's horrible, like <laughs> really bad. But I trust that whatever's coming out is slowly going to put out the right thing. And and as long as you keep an ear to hear, you'll always know when the sound has arrived or when the right word has come to life or when the moment is there. Yeah. And even when I dance, the same thing. I freestyle to a song. Mm-hmm. I don't just think of moves. Sometimes I think of a concept, but still from there I have I give myself space to just have freedom and to trust and I express what I feel on the inside. So if I had to be honest, though the the inspiration does come from trust, mm-hmm. the true inspiration comes from the work before. Yeah. Because you work on your person, as you work on your heart, as you work on your gift. As you work on wherever you have skills and talents, you you're, it's almost like building a reservoir that at the right moment will just overflow mm-hmm. and give you what you need for that moment. Yeah, that's really good. It's almost like I, I've said several times before that spontaneity is the reward of preparation. Yeah. You know, and so it's like those hours preparing almost lends itself to a greater freedom when you're actually in the in the creative process. So, right. So, as a lot of your choreography, it begins in spontaneity, and then you later develop it into a particular uh, set of moves. Or how does that work with you? Yeah, it literally, is that I freestyle, and I see what I see what vibes naturally come out. Mm-hmm. And sometimes actual moves come out and I'll try to go back and remember what I did. Mm -hmm. It's just like when 
you know, you play a, a song, a new song, and a melody comes out, you go back and sing it, you keep singing it to discover the melody you just sang. Like, oh, what did I just sing? Yeah. What words did I? And then you may change the words or you may keep some of them. You may keep the main word that you couldn't escape. And then some of the small details you'll shift around to emphasize the bigger picture or the message of what you wanted to convey in the first place. And that's that's the same way I operate with everything I do. I just kind of go and then shape and form. You know, the, the potter takes clay and makes a pot, but it's not overly stressed out that it's not perfectly formed right away. That's the job of the process. And it gets excited just from being able to throw that piece of clay out there. And then as it starts to spin and turn, then the mind gets more and creative. Like, oh, actually I can do this, or actually it's gonna be a vase now, or actually yeah. it'll, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But that moment comes from just first throwing it out there. And that even relates to the trust part. Like you just have to throw it out there and trust it. And then from there, have faith enough to know you have the juice inside <laughs> uh, to make some bomb lemonade. I can see, I can see, I can see, I can see For the first time in my life I'm able to see For the first time in my life I'm able to believe Because I had to be, then I had to leave Everything behind me, even me To find the greatest me locked away inside of me Crying out destiny, destiny, destiny Come find me, can you come find me? You mentioned something earlier about your book, and I wanted to talk about that briefly, just to let people know about that. But you have a book, it's called The Mighty Little Book, and it's a book of stories and quotes and inspirations. And um, tell me somewhat about your book and what people can expect to find in it. You can expect to find daily inspiration. You can also read the book front to back as you would a normal book. Or you can just randomly open it up. I have a lot of friends who don't read, and I want it to cater to them. So the font changes on every page. The background slightly changes, but the content is still heavy enough for those of us who enjoy reading. I wanted it to be a universal book that a small child could pick up and, and be inspired, as well as a great-great-grandmother could pick up and be inspired. And it's a beautiful book. It came out over a year ago, and it's been a blessing. <laughs> and I was inspired from my own Instagram to make it, oh, which awesome. is the most rare thing. How did that inspire you to make it? On my Instagram, I always make these quotes where, where the photo goes, I'll write my own quote, and then... Where the description goes, I go into depth about what I meant and from my quote. Mm -hmm. And after doing that for a long time in all of my Facebook statuses and even all of my tweets, I realized that they were generating a lot of uh, consciousness mm -hmm. and people. Like at one point, my Twitter was getting over two million impressions a month, mm -hmm. and everyone was retweeting my my simple quotes that just came from my heart and my prayer time. And I said, how is this possible that I'm trending in the United States, I'm getting all these impressions, and I only have about, I think, 20,000 followers on Twitter. It's not like I have millions. Mm -hmm. So I was like, what's going on? And 
I realized that there was a need for the words that were coming out of my my soul and my spirit. Mm -hmm. And so from there, I just organized everything. All my writings went through and chose some of the ones that were more circulated and some of my favorite ones and went through a process of putting it in a book. And boom, now we have it. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. Can't wait to read it. (laughs) Well, let me ask you one last question and then we can close up. But I know that you started your career in dance a little bit later on in life, at least from what I've read in your bio. And it said that you had a scholarship at the Millennium Dance Complex in Los Angeles. And in just two years' time, you managed to sign with your first talent agency and then begin your career. What would you say to some of these artists coming up who are really wanting to pursue whatever it is in their heart as a vocation, as a full-time career, what would you say? I mean, I, I know you've worked super hard to cultivate what you're doing now, and I know it's really integrated with your spiritual life. What would you say to some of the upcoming artists who want to pursue their particular passion? I would definitely say, one, it's never too late if you're alive. Two, always be you, even if it causes you to go the slow route to the things you want, always be you because at the end of the day, people need authenticity and that will speak volumes to people even if they realize it or not. Three, take the risk. Never choose security over purpose. And four, constantly challenge yourself to grow in your skill, your craft, and your person and spirituality so that you can always be rooted and be aware of the big picture, not just what's in front of you. Michael, thank you so much for talking with us on Makers and Mystics. I look forward to connecting with you again. Thank you. It was fun. I love stuff like this. One day I'm gonna make it. Thank you for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. If you'd like to receive additional content and access to go deeper into these discussions, you can join our online community at patreon.com forward slash makers and mystics. These conversations are made possible by the generosity of our sponsors and patrons, and we appreciate your support in championing the creative life of the spirit. The featured music in this episode is provided by Michael Wilson. You can find links to Michael's music and writings at makersandmystics.com and in the show notes of this episode. If you haven't yet, please leave us a review on iTunes and follow us on instagram.com slash makers and mystics thanks again for listening we'll see you next time watch me